right, well, so mercy. We're going to talk about God's mercy. So last Sunday we talked about God's goodness, and, and we saw that a little bit and, and uh, went through just how God was good in everything. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I guess I thought I probably should start out my lesson this morning. I, I heard from a few people about, you know, if you weren't here last week, I was pretty hard on beets and, and peas. Um, so, uh, you know, that how could God, a good God, you know, all things are supposed to be good, but he, he created beets and peas. So I think I, the first thing is I got to apologize to snap peas. They got kind of a bad rap. I'm kind of a snap pea guy. I do like snap peas. It's the peas that are frozen peas in a bag. I can't get behind those. And, and beets. I had a couple people coming to me talk, trying to sell me on beets. Uh, whether you were joking or not, um, I'm never getting behind beets. I'm sorry. So, but I do want to apologize to snap peas. I do like snap peas. So, anyhow, um, there, there's many things about God that are good that maybe in our own uh, thinking we don't think it's so good. But, but anyhow, so I, I guess as we get, I just want to kind of walk into God's goodness here. Is it, you know, again, we think about all the attributes of God. And, and they're all so intertwined, and they all tie together. And how do you single out? You, 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 know, you, you have discussions with people about, well, what's the, what's the, the greatest of his attributes? They, they all are so interwoven with each other. It, you, you can't really pick um, what, the, what the best attribute is. But you look at his goodness. We saw the definition of his goodness there. We saw that God's goodness is the collective perfection of his nature and the benevolence of his acts. He's good in his very nature. He's good in what he says. He, he's good in what he does. And uh, we saw as well that he's good in, from eternity uh, past. He's good. In, the Bible starts out with his goodness in Genesis chapter 1, and it closes with his goodness in, in Revelation as well, too, where, where everything, ultimately, he's going to wipe away all tear, and all sin and evil is going to be... Um, taken away when there's a new heavens and a new earth created. So we see that ultimately everything goes back to the goodness of God. We saw that last week. Um, if you take a look at the, the different truths about God's goodness, and again, these are not all-encompassing. These are truths that, that there, I'm sure there's many more. I know there's many more. There, I just was talking with somebody yesterday uh, about a, 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 a verse in Psalms, Psalms 105, and it says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, his truth endures to all generations. And uh, between my two lessons on goodness and mercy, I didn't even have that verse picked at all. So there's so many verses, and, and there's only so many that you can get, get through in a, in a lesson. And, but ultimately, we saw that God's goodness was the standard, that um, the, the source of goodness is not... It's God. It's not our human emotions. It's not our feelings. So we saw that God's goodness was a standard. We saw God's goodness was expressed in, in all of his other attributes. And you could really say that about any attribute. Again, they all kind of weave together and tie together. The, the third point we saw was God's goodness exceeds the negative. God's goodness does not fail. We saw that in Psalm 52. Um, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good. It doesn't say all things that will be good, but all things work together for good. So God ultimately, his goodness supersedes the negative in our life. And there's many times where we're going through trials, we're going through situations, but ultimately God works it all together for good. The, the fourth point we saw was God's goodness was abundant. We saw that, um, that verse in Psalm 145, they celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Um, we, we saw as well that God's goodness is universal. He, 
He allows, he's good to all. His tender mercies, again, we'll be talking about that today, are over all his works. And then ultimately, the last point we saw was God's goodness should motivate worship. That verse in Psalm 107, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So this idea is we should, we should be motivated to worship and honor him because of his goodness that he's given or shown to each and every one of us. So the idea here, as I was thinking about his mercy and looking at his mercy here, and, and we talked about, you, you think of the, the, the perspective of, you know, a phrase of, of having, you know, have mercy on me, or you've heard somebody say, Lord, have mercy. Uh, you, we think of it, you've seen uh, people in, in a legal perspective throwing their, their, their selves at the mercy of the court. Um, and, but from God's perspective, what we want to look at today is that God has provided mercy to all. He has provided us all mercy. But unfortunately, not all of us want God's mercy or are willing to accept his mercy. So I guess what I'd like to do today is just kind of walk through again a very similar outline to what we had last week with God's goodness. But I'd like to look at God's perfect, eternal, uh, unlimited, abundant mercy toward each and every one of us dirty, rotten sinners. Um, Last week when we, we talked about the source of all goodness is God. And the common, the question that I pose that ultimately if you have this conversation or a question that invariably comes back to you is, if your God is so good, why does God allow bad things to happen? And I walked through that a little bit last week. Again, a, a difficult thing to explain, a difficult thing, frankly, to even wrap your mind around. But ultimately, the, the couple points that, that I came down to were ultimately... Sin or evil does not find its source in God. God does not participate in sin and evil. Um, It's against his very nature. We saw that. So ultimately, God, he might allow, he's allowed sin in the world from the standpoint of he didn't create robots. He Man has a volition. He exercised that. We exercise that volition. We exercise that volition when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We make a decision to say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for my sins. There's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that I bring to the table other than accepting the fact that his son died on the cross for my sins. And by faith and trust in that, I get to spend eternity in heaven because he's a God who died on the cross. He was buried. He stayed in the grave for three days, but he arose again and he conquered sin, death, and the grave. And he paid that penalty for my sins. So ultimately, there is sin and evil does not have its source in God. And we know that much in our world is not good. But it's not because God is not good. It's because man is not good. And we, can, we don't want to go through that, all that from last week. But ultimately, um, I thought it was interesting that um, somebody had mentioned, uh, uh, t- uh, I guess I'm going to say, I don't know if she's here, but I think it was Wendy Williams had mentioned to my mother, we were talking about it after the message, that really the question should be, we were talking about this after last Sunday, and she said, really, it shouldn't be, if your God is so good, why does God allow bad things to happen? The question should be, why does God allow good things or blessings happen to bad people? 
And I thought about that as my mom, you know, I thought that was a very great statement and I probably messed it up um, because I didn't have a chance, I didn't talk to Wendy specifically about it, but I just thought, I thought, well, that leads us perfectly to our lesson today on God's mercy because God is a merciful God. And that's why he allows good things to happen to bad people. He's a merciful God. So we want to take a look at the fact that our lesson here this morning is his mercy is more. And I just thought that was a, a very uh, apropos title as I was studying this week and, and taking a look at it. So let's define what mercy is here as we get into it. So mercy is a compassionate or kindly forbearance shown toward an offender, an enemy, or another person in one's power. It's Basically, it's a compassion or pity or benevolence. So that's one of the definitions of mercy. Another one, it's an act of kindness, compassion, or favor. And the third one, and there's probably many other definitions, but I like this one. It's a discretionary power of a judge to pardon someone or to mitigate punishment, especially to send to prison rather than to invoke the death penalty. And I thought about the fact that the fact that we're as sinners, it says in um, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And in 6.23, for the wages of that sin is death. So we were given the death penalty. But ultimately, we're going to see that God's mercy was more. Our sins, they were many, but his mercy was more as we go through that today in our lesson. Um, So ultimately, I thought maybe the best way to think about it, we talk about God's grace and God's mercy, and you look at the fact that God's grace, his unmerited favor, is us getting something, a gift, that we did not deserve. Or it was something that we, and we, our kids learn that all the time in Sunday school. Uh, God's riches at Christ's expense. So we get this gift that we did not deserve. But God's mercy is God withholding a punishment or judgment that we did deserve. So ultimately, that's, that's the difference between God's grace and God's mercy. Again, these terms are woven together. We see that they all, these terms are rooted in God's love for us as well. Um, Tozer says that God always deals in mercy with mankind. God always deals in mercy with mankind. And I just thought that that was... We, we have a God who is always merciful. He's always loving. And again, these terms come, mercy and, and love and grace and, and um, uh, goodness are all kind of interwoven and come out from each other. In uh, Psalm 107, it says at the end of that, we talked about Psalm 107 last week when we talked about the, uh, uh, the goodness of the Lord. And at the end of that chapter, verse 43, it says, Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness. That's the New King James Version. says loving kindness of the Lord. The uh, uh, New American Standard says, and consider the mercy of the Lord. Loving kindness and mercy there are used interchangeably. So this idea that the wise person, not the fool, can truly understand the mercy of of the Lord. So we have this, this um, thought here as we saw the attributes. We see the attributes, the, the attribute of love. It's always a bit of a challenge when I start with the laser pointer. The challenge has begun. There you go. 
There you go. All right. Okay, so we see this idea of goodness and grace and mercy all come forth out of God's love for us. And again, you look at all the different attributes, and, and frankly, I don't know which attribute I'm going to go to next. You know, we've covered all these, these attributes here, um, but there's so many other attributes. Uh, you, you think about the fact that God's a long-suffering God. He's a patient God. He's a God of all wisdom. You know, there's many different attributes, and I'm not sure where the Lord's going to lead me next on this study. But, but ultimately, we see all these attributes come um, and they're all interwoven and tied with each other. It's, it's, sometimes it's hard to, to separate, separate the attributes as we go, go through here. So we look at God's mercy, and we know that he always has a great care and concern for us. He has a great, he's a great shepherd who has a care and concern for each and every sheep. Um, he always deals with us in a merciful manner, and his character, and again, his very nature, is mercy. We could say that about each and every one of these attributes that we look through here. So his mercy expressed in the names of God. So what I'd like to do with this is, again, look at some of the names of God. Now, some of these, I don't know how beneficial this is. Um, It just, for me, it kind of helps me. We see so many different names of God. We saw the different names of God just in that song, El Shaddai, and and there's, I've got a, a book uh, the, the, the praises of God's name or, or, or whatever. So I, sometimes I'll look through that. Sometimes I look through, through other books just to get some of these names, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, a lot of these names uh, I've never heard of uh, until I start doing these studies. So um, there, there's nothing that, that you can't find with some, some good resources. So um, th- there's some of these names like this first one here. I've never heard of this name in my life, so I don't want, I don't want you to think that uh, I'm some great Hebrew scholar here because that certainly is not the case. But Elohe Chasadai, um, the God of my loving kindness, a God of mercy. Psalm 59.10 says, The God of, my, of mercy shall come to me. God shall let me see my desires on my enemies. So we, God, he, the, the Elohe Chasadai is the God of my mercy. That's the first one. The second one that I found was, it says in Jeremiah 3.12, Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful. I am merciful. He's, that's a name of God, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. And the third one that I found was Yahweh Hesed. In Nehemiah 9.17 it says, And refused to obey, neither were mindful of the workers that thou didst among them, but hardened their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and forsookest them not. We got a forsookest in there. That's a King James version. I think I should have probably grabbed a different version on that one. But... um, so yeah, sorry about that. I, I didn't recognize that till right, right now. But the, the, word, the Hebrew word hesed means mercy, kindness, or loving kindness. So we see this mercy is expressed in the different names of God. Again, the, there's, there's probably more uh, in the Bible. I just grabbed, the, these are three that I found. But um, again, extremely encouraging to, to look at how God's name comes forth in all of these different attributes that we've studied in, in the Word of God here. Um, so some truths about God's mercy. Um, similar to what I did last week, I just want to walk through, I think I have six truths of, of God's mercy. You could 
Some of them are going to be similar to God's goodness. There's many more, uh, again. So I, I, there's certainly not, this is not all-encompassing, but I thought this provides a good cross-section of, of what God's mercy is. So let's open our, our Bibles to Psalm chapter 136. Psalm 136, to get the first truth about God's mercy. So Psalm 136, the the title in the Schofield Bible that I have says, The Lord's Enduring Mercy. So my first point about God's mercy is that it endures forever. It's eternal. So God's mercy is eternal. Again, not dissimilar from any of his other attributes. So this isn't some profound uh, statement that I'm coming up with here. It's, it's It's pretty straightforward. God's mercy endures forever. It's eternal. His, all his other attributes, he's, they're complete, they're limitless, and they're infinite. But if you look in Psalm 136, I thought this is a very interesting psalm. It says in verses 1 through 3, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Verse 3, Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. So this idea, the first three verses here, it's, it's the, the Lord's mercy is manifested in his, uh, in his person. Give, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Uh, the interesting thing about this whole chapter, and we won't read the whole thing, but every verse in this chapter ends with, for his mercy endures forever. Every single verse. There's 26 verses in this chapter. We see in verses 4 through 9, his mercy, his enduring mercy is in his power, in the different creative acts. It says, who alone does great wonders, who by the wisdom made the heavens, who laid out the earth above the waters, who made the great lights, the sun to rule by day, the moon and stars to rule by night, by night in verses 4 through 9. So we see, and at the end of each verse, for his mercy endures forever. Uh, we saw in verse, we see in verses 10 through 22, his mercy endures forever toward the nation of Israel. There's, there's different things. Uh, he overthrows Pharaoh. He, he, he leads his people through the wilderness. So, uh, again, you, you, I would encourage you to read this chapter, um, a very encouraging chapter. We see about the Lord's enduring mercy, that his mercy endures forever. Um, it's interesting if you're into Bible memorization or... or, or um, you know, memorizing scripture, you could, for his mercy endures forever, you could say, well, I've got half of the chapter memorized already. Because it's, you know, I was kind of laughing as I was looking at that. Is you, you, you get a half of chapter, Psalm 136, if you know, for his mercy endures forever. I thought that was kind of interesting to see that it's literally in every single verse. You think God doesn't know the, uh, through his inspired word, the um, bunch of um, thick-headed people he's dealing with here on, on this earth. He's got to repeat it, right? He's got to repeat it. We see repetition throughout Scripture, uh, but for his mercy endures forever. Um, oh, give thanks for his mercy endures forever. They bookend this chapter. First verse, the last verse. Give thanks 
for his mercy endures forever. Um, we see that, that right there in, in Psalm 136. What about Psalm 103, 17? But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. We talked about that when we talked about God as eternal life. From everlasting to everlasting. It has always existed in eternity past. It, is all, it will always exist. It will always exist into eternity future. The mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting. Our verse from last week that we looked at, that I said we would touch on again this week, Psalm 107, 1 and 2. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We are redeemed. As believers, we are redeemed of the Lord. We should be saying that. We should be exclaiming that. We should be proclaiming that on a daily basis basis. The last one is Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Again, that'll be our theme for the three camps coming up. Psalm 23. How about when we are afraid? How about when we're fearful? No need when the goodness and mercy of the Lord goes before us, goes in front of us, and is always around us. And we ultimately um, have the mercy of the Lord that follows us. So we see that God's mercy endures forever. But what else? What is another fact about God's mercy? God's mercy is full and it's abundant. And again, we, we had this with his goodness as well too. So you know, these are all verses that I try to just pull some different verses here from the word of God. Psalm 86.5 says, For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. He's abundant in mercy. He has overflowing mercy. Psalm 119.64 says, the, the earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. So we have this earth. We have God's creation that is, is full of his mercy. And we saw that in, in Psalm 136 as well, too. Um, but ultimately, the earth is, God's mercy is full and abundant. The third, the third passage here is in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So that is a, that is a big passage here. I was just going to do verse 3, and then I said, wow, verse, verse 4 and 5. Through his mercy, we now have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away through the mercy of God. And that, that all happens by us placing our faith in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. And we are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So we see here that God, is, his mercy is full and abundant. We think about being full, and you think about the concept of your cup running over and, and, uh, and overflowing or a bountiful mercy. That's what God's mercy is to us. God's mercy is that to, to everyone. God's mercy is full, it's overflowing, and our cup is running over. So we see here that God's 
Mercy endures forever. It's full and abundant. And what's the next thing we see? We see that God is rich in mercy. And we think about rich in, in wealth, and we think about uh, abundance, I guess, from that perspective as well. But we see one of the first things is, is God's mercy can't be measured or contained. Psalm 103, 11 says, For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. We look at the fact of God's creation, and as the heavens are high above the earth, and we, we can't even fully comprehend the, the, the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven, and the, just the abundance and the vastness of that. Um, and that's how great God's mercy is towards those who fear him. This idea... Of, of not even being able to wrap our minds around God's creation and God's heavens. It's, it's incredible if you look at God's mercy from that perspective. David says in Second uh, Samuel twenty four fourteen, it says, Please let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. His mercies are rich. Psalm 51, kind of compare that same, same verse there, or same thought process, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, in Psalm 51. So we see that God is rich in mercy. Turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. We look at the, the richness of God's mercy. Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse uh, 4. We'll just start in verse 4. But it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, for we are what? His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. But the things I want you to see in that passage, God, who is rich in mercy, he is full in mercy. He's abundant in mercy. And it's because of his mercy and this love, this great love which, wherewith he loved us, um, we ultimately can spend eternity with him in heaven. And this is a grace operation for by grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we have this idea that God's mercy, it endures forever. It's full and abundant. God's rich in mercy. And this mercy that he gives us is not limited. It's not rationed. It's not distributed to... Uh, those who he sees fit. It's available to all. It's available to each and every one of us. And what's the, the fourth point that we lead to here 
And ultimately, I thought of this last night. It probably shouldn't be the fourth point. It should, probably should be the first point. But my notes and my lesson were, my PowerPoint were already made up that way. So it's the fourth point. But I think this is the most important point. God's mercy is shown with his, with his, in his redemptive salvation plan for each and every one of us. Turn in your Bibles to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1. And I guess you don't have to turn there, but you can turn there. I think I have it on the overhead here. I might. I have it on the overhead, but it's in the NIV. So you might want to follow it if you have the New King James or King James. 1 Timothy 1, 12. I just liked how it was worded in the NIV a little better. Um, 1 Timothy 1, 12. So God's mercy is shown with his redemptive salvation plan. And Paul here in his letter to Timothy is, is telling Timothy... And, and uh, it kind of explaining to Timothy God's grace and mercy toward him. And I'm going to, you can follow along in the, the, uh, the New King James or whatever you have, but I'm going to read it in the NIV here. So this idea here, it says in 1 Timothy 1.12, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he consider me trustworthy, appointing me to his service appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, right? We, we remember uh, what, what Paul was originally, a, a chief persecutor. Um, I was shown mercy. So Paul was shown what? Mercy. Because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. So if we do... Uh, a message on the grace of God, which maybe we will. Um, his grace was poured out abundantly. Again, much like all of his other attributes. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, here is a worthy saying that deserve, de- deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am worse. Your Bible says, of whom I am chief. The chiefest of sinners, the, the, the top of sinners. Paul, that was his view. That was his, he says, hey, there was nothing special about me. I'm a, the, the chiefest of the, of the sinners. But for that very reason, what? I was shown mercy. He was shown mercy. Why? So that in me, the worst of sinners, again, reiterates it, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. His immense patience, his long-suffering. God is a long-suffering God. He's a patient God. Um, Paul attributes, he you know, attributed his present status in Christ to God's pity and compassion on him, God's mercy on him. And we see that here, we see that in, in our Plan, the, the, the plan of salvation for each and every one of us. We know what? That we are what? Sinners, right? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says that in Romans 3.23. For there is none righteous, no, not ones. No, no not one. Isaiah 64.6 says all of our righteousness is all of our, whatever we do, whatever we think is good, is what? It's filthy rags. I've talked about that before. Dirty diapers, that's all it is. We're all sinners. But God, in his love toward us, in his mercy, in his grace, says 
he provides that perfect expression or that perfect balance between his attributes, his attribute of love, his attribute of perfect righteousness and justice are, are satisfied through his salvation plan for each and every one of us. It says, for the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. We know that. That's easy to figure out. And we have a multitude of sins. Our sins, they are many. We just sang that song. It doesn't take that much figuring or, or observation to figure that out with your kids, with your uh, neighbors, you name it. We're all sinners in whatever the case, whatever situation is. But the gift of God, the wages of sin is death. So a just and righteous God says there has to be payment for that sin. There is a penalty. That penalty is death. A death sentence, right? But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So God knows that what we bring to the table does not measure up. There's nothing that we can do in our own strength that would allow us to measure up to God. So what did God do? He said, I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ. God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he sent his son down to our level, brought him down to earth, right? And he walked on this earth for 33 uh, plus years and he ultimately died on the cross for our sins. For each and every sin that are many that we committed. Um, And he hung on that cross and his father turned his back for him for for three hours on that cross. And he, he died, he was buried, but he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And ultimately, by our simple faith and trust in that work, that completed work on our behalf, on the behalf of each and every person who's ever walked the face of the earth, past, present, and future, the greatest expression of his goodness, his mercy, his love, his grace, um, our personal Savior, Jesus Christ, had us on his mind as he hung on that cross. Each and every one of us were on his mind. He hung on that cross, he paid that penalty, and he paid the price, and he did all of that, thinking about each and every one of us. Unbelievable. Unbelievable God that, that, that our God loves us so much. And he's such a merciful God, we deserve punishment. But in his mercy, he said, I'm not going to give you that punishment. I'm going to take that punishment is paid by my son for you, for each and every one of us. And what is our response to that? It's simple. You believe it, right? Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. It's pretty simple. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it's a simple plan. And you think about it from a standpoint of what the world might say or what religion might say about you have to do good works, you have to follow these recitations, you have to um, 
be baptized. You have to go through confirmation. You have to, um, you know, say these certain things or, or do these thir- certain things. Um, but there's none of that can save us. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but his son's shedding of blood on our behalf saves us and provides us access to him provides us sets up, reserves us a place in heaven and what a what a great plan of salvation that is we think about that from the perspective of his redemption redemptive plan of salvation god's perfect mercy is bestowed upon us by the death burial and resurrection of his son jesus christ as a propitiation the satisfactory payment for our sins and that, that, to me, that we have this passage here in Romans 3, 24 and 25. We are, we are justified, we are declared righteous freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. It's nothing that we do. It's nothing that we bring to the table. And we, we can keep, as long as I have an opportunity to get up here and, and share what the Lord has revealed to me about different attributes of God or whatever, um, that message isn't going to change. Um, as long as I have a chance to share with the kids in Truth for Youth, that message isn't going to change. And ultimately, we, we can be thankful that the plan of salvation is so simple and it's, and it's a free gift for each and every one of us. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption plan that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness. Because of his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. So we have this idea here that his justice and his righteousness are perfectly satisfied by his plan, his, his merciful plan of salvation for each and every one of us to believe. Um, his mercy is more. I, that, that third verse of that song, I love that verse, was what riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood beneath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. His mercy is more than all of our sins. Um, what, what, a, what a great truth about God's mercy. So we see here that his mercy endures forever. We see that it's full and abundant. He is rich in mercy. God's mercy provided us with his redemptive plan of salvation. And what else? God's mercies are new every morning. And I had to put this one in there. I just love this, this passage. Though the Lord, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. The the idea here that God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning we wake up and God's mercies are new. God's mercies are full. God's mercies are abundant. Um, It's it's incredible. We think about this, Psalm 103.4. It says, bless the Lord who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Every day, we're crowned with new tender mercies. Every day. Every day you wake up. As, as a believer and as a child of, of God, 
What a great position. What a great assurance to be reminded of, right? God's mercies are new every morning. His mercy endures forever. Um, It's, uh, what did I, I might have another verse. I do, yeah. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. Those tender mercies are new every morning. They're over all his works. Um, We saw that, again, his mercy endures forever, full and abundant. He's rich in mercy. His mercy provided us with his redemption plan, and they're new. His mercies are new every morning. And the last point here is God's mercies. God's mercy should motivate us to praise God. And serve him. And we had this as a similar last point on goodness as well, too. And you think about this his mercy should make us want to shout it from the mountaintop, right? About God is an amazing God. And we, we saw that. Well, look at this verse right here in Ezra uh, with regards to the, 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 the temple restoration. Uh, by the nation of Israel. In Ezra it says, They sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever toward Israel. Then all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. So, you know, you think about God's mercies to us and the fact that they're new every morning. And um, do we shout with a great shout to the Lord? Um, we don't, you know, we, part, part of it is that, you know, maybe that's not the, the, the culture or the way anymore, but um, I'm a pretty conservative guy by nature. I'm not going to be shouting uh, uh, like that, but we should, right? Um, God's mercies are, they should motivate us to praise him. They should motivate us. Uh, what about serving him? Well, we talked about the fact that we're saved by his mercy, right? By his grace, by his, uh, the, the plan of salvation, the fact that he, he sent his son to die for us, and um, by faith in, in that, that death, burial, and resurrection, the fact that he paid for our sins, we get to spend eternity in heaven. Well, I'm saved. Well, well now what? What's my responsibility? Well, we think about living the Christian life, um, and it's a moment-by-moment walk as we live the Christian life. And ultimately, what the Lord wants of each, each one of us is he wants us to, to serve him. In uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I urge you, I plead with you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable up, up to, unto God, which is your reasonable, logical service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So that's what the Lord wants for each and every one of us. Are we ambassadors for him? Are we presenting ourselves by the mercies of God, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice. And that's what the Lord would want for each and every one of us. Now, if you say, if you're here and you say, well, boy, I haven't been really doing a good job. I must be a, a terrible Christian. The Lord doesn't want it. He doesn't want us to be hanging our head. Um, you know, every day, every day is, is, is a new day, Right? His mercies are new every day. And uh, we're all works in progress, right? Nobody's attained uh, this level of, uh, I've got it all right now, or I've got this whole thing figured out. We're all works in progress. 
You know, you, you might say, you know, I've been saved since I was 12 years old. And uh, so I'm 51 now, so almost 40 years I've been saved. And you'd think that, you know, through all that experience, you know, has the Lord shown me a few things? Yeah, he has. Do, do I spend more time in the Word of God now than when I was 12 years old in high school and college? Yeah, I do. Um, am I learning new things every day? <laughs> Absolutely. Do I need to be learning new things every day? Absolutely. Do I have it all figured out? Absolutely not. I, I, I sometimes... <laughs> when, when I get discouraged about something or down about something, I, I, I think about to myself or I just, I, I think, what, what are you doing? I mean, it, every day, we're all works in progress, right? So if you're, if you're sitting here and you say, well, boy, I haven't done anything with my life, uh, who, who cares? You know, uh, the, Lord, the Lord says his mercies are new every day. So, Put that in the past. That's behind you. Um, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say this. We need a, we need a whistleblower at, at VBS. You know, be prayerful about that. Somebody has a willingness and wants to do that, be prayerful about it. You know, we have somebody, Roberta Johnson, who has done that for years and years. Um, you know, think about that. Um, so the reality is, 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 God doesn't want us to look back and say, well, you know, boy, I guess I'm kind of worthless. I mean, he already knows we're worthless, right? But he loves each and every one of us, right? And, uh, but, and, he, and he, he died for us, and he, he, he loves us in our worthless state, right? We're, uh, we're, if we're saved, we're a new creature created in him. And ultimately, God is... You know, he doesn't want us to be looking back and he doesn't want us to be uh, wallowing in the mire, as it were. He wants us to um, present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. We should, his mercy should motivate us to praise him and it should motivate us to serve him. Do we count the blessings of God, the goodness and mercy that he bestows to us? Do we count them Count our blessings and name them one by one, as the song says. Um, Think about that. Think about praising God for his abundant mercy to each and every one of us. Uh, The last things I want to go through is just a couple of illustrations of God's mercy. We won't go through them that much in detail. I just had them you know, at, at, at the end of the message here, I thought there's, again, many different illustrations of God's mercy in the word of God. Uh, we look at, uh, to Solomon in First uh, Kings 11. This had to deal with the, uh, the, the divided kingdom in First Kings, where he's, uh, you know, Solomon's heart is turned away from the Lord. Solomon uh, turns toward many uh, uh, foreign women, um, you know, 700 wives, 300 concubines, and um, sets up a temple for, for pagan worship. And the Lord is, is angry, but his mercy, uh, in his mercy, he didn't tear away the entire kingdom. He promised one tribe to, to Solomon's son, Rehoboam, and uh, his, his Solomon's servant then ultimately was installed as, as the king of the, the, other, uh, the, the other ten tribes of the northern kingdom. But God, in his mercy, um, promises ultimately that those 
kingdoms, those northern and southern tribes, will be reunited ultimately at the millennial reign of Christ. So we see that God's mercy is all throughout different character studies in the Bible. Um, He's merciful to Israel in captivity. We saw that specifically in the first passage we started out. Um, he, in Psalm 136, he's, he's merciful to Israel. He, in uh, Nehemiah, he says, nevertheless, in your great mercy, you did not utterly consume them nor forsake them, for you are God gracious and merciful. So he's merciful to Israel here. It says that in, in Psalm I don't know if I had that down. No, I don't have. In Psalm 106, 45, he talks about, um, it says, many times, uh, 106, 43 through 40 time, 45, excuse me, many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry, and for their sake he remembered his covenant and re- relented according to the multitude of his mercies. So God is merciful to Israel, and we see that all throughout uh, different passages in this in, in this in the Word of God. At the Day of Atonement, we know at the Day of Atonement in, in Leviticus, uh, the Day of Atonement happened once a year. The high priest would enter the holiest of holies and sprinkle the blood of the sacrifice before the mercy seat, and ultimately that had a representation uh, of of a merciful God, um, and, and that happened uh, once a year uh, at the Day of Atonement. Um, the, the last uh, example, let's, let's turn to Matthew chapter 18, is, is an example of the rich ruler that is merciful to the debtor in Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verse 23. Okay, Matthew eighteen twenty three says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that the payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, was moved with mercy, with pity, and released him and forgave him the debt. So again, we have this idea that a debt was owed, a punishment had to be paid. Um, But this ruler, he had mercy. And it's a perfect example of God's mercy to us. But the interesting thing about this passage is if you keep reading, that servant who was pardoned from his death, debt, so to speak, um, relieved, forgiven of his debt, verse 28, that very same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii, which was quite a bit smaller sum than the 10,000 talents that he had owed the rich ruler. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down on his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. The same thing that he said to the rich ruler. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So if you look at this from the example of God's mercy to us, Luke 6.36 says, Be merciful, even as your Father 
is merciful. So to me, I thought that was a great reminder to each and every one of us. We have been the beneficiaries of God's abundant mercy, right? His mercies are new every day. It's a great reminder to each and every one of us to extend mercy to others. Treat others, have a mindset of humility. Be gracious to others. And I just thought that that, that little passage was, I don't know, as, as I was going through that, I thought that was kind of fascinating to think about that. We think about bringing the message to a close here this morning. The truth about God's mercy. His mercy endures forever. It's full. It's abundant. It's rich. God is rich in mercy. God's mercy paves the way. It's uh, shown with his redemptive salvation plan for each and every one of us. His mercies are new every morning, and his mercy should motivate praise and service to him. As a child of God, as children of God, are we living in light of that? Are we thinking about that? Are we presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God? Are we thinking about and have a constant assurance of these principles? In terms of our destiny, our eternal destiny, do you understand that your sins, they are many, but his mercy is more? In Titus 3, 5, it says, It's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy... He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified, having been declared righteous by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for your abundant mercy. We thankful for the fact that you're a merciful God, that you're mercies are new every day, that we have opportunity to reflect you, reflect your love to others, and be merciful to others. We just pray that as we go through our week, that we would keep you front and center, that we would just be, be mindful and remember all that we have in you. The fact that you, you have all these characteristics and it's a chance for us to just have a greater appreciation to know who you are by this study of your attributes. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We're thankful for your mercy to each and every one of us. We're thankful for this time here this morning. We just are so thankful for uh, just even the, the VBS program, the, the ministry. We just pray for that. We just even pray that um, we can have, have a clarity and presentation of, of the gospel at, at Bible school, and we're just so thankful for each and every person who has such an important part and a role there. We're thankful for the time here this morning and, and ask that you would just undertake with the day, and thank you for the day that you have ma- made, and we should rejoice and be glad in it. In your name we pray. Amen.